All right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, again, if we haven't met, my name is Paul Dacus. I'm one of the pastors and the uh, the students pastor here at the refuge. Um, so we are continuing in Advent this week. So uh, if you've been here, who here has been here for like the last four years of Advent at Refuge? Okay, so a good amount. So each year, you know, we go through hope, love, joy, and peace. Uh, last week, Scott went through hope, and uh, I loved uh, what, he, what he said through Scripture. And um, when, when Pastor Scott reminded us that biblical hope is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation. I just love that. And I've seen anybody listen to these sermons and then just see it happening throughout the week. Like, it's, it's not a coincidence, right? Like something that's preached from the Word of God that you just see over and over. I've seen that. I love what also what, uh, what Pastor Scott said. Hope is a reality and not a feeling. So it's a confident expectation of assurance based upon a sure foundation and that hope is a reality, not a feeling. I just love that. But uh, the reason I ask about previous years is because we have... In the past, we've had a general outline of each one of these, of what, as pastors, we want to, what we want to talk about for Advent. Uh, this year, we decided to just start from scratch, let the Spirit do what the Spirit will uh, with each of these uh, topics. And that's a scary thing, uh, because we came on to this one of love. You know, normally, we go through expository preaching, where we have a scripture and we go through it, right? We, uh, we walk through that scripture. This is a a big topic, just like hope is a big topic, love is a big topic. And I, I was, how do I get, how do I put God's love into a 35-minute sermon? And now I look at the clock back there after this, and it says 20 minutes, which gives me even more anxiety. How do I fit God's love into a short sermon? And so I asked the Spirit, uh, and I kept coming back to this same thought of just give up and let our minds be blown by Scripture. Just to give up and let our minds be blown by Scripture. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to, uh, uh, we're going to talk about that. If that's, uh, uh, don't you love when people say, if that's all right with you from the pulpit, it's like, what are you going to be like? No, nah, we're, not, we're not doing that this morning. So we're going to go through three uh, Scriptures, but this is the theme for this morning, is that the love that comes from us must be rooted in the love sent for us. The love that comes from us must be rooted in the love sent for us. So I have three verses uh, today. If you don't get this, if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to come back to it multiple times. But if you have your Bibles, if you need a Bible, where are they? Then in the back, please grab a physical Bible today. I won't have the scripture up on the screen. I will have the, the address for it, but not the actual scripture. So uh, use your apps, use a Bible. But we have plenty of them back there. And if you don't have one, that's a gift for you. Um, but First John 4 is where we're going to start. Uh, John 3, 16, I already know some people already hear that in their heads, and then Ephesians 3, 14 is where we're going to be going today. 1 John 4, 7 through 9, John 3, 16, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Three scriptures with a theme that the love that comes from us must be rooted in the love sent for us. Now with each one of these, again, you guys know that I like to give just the sermon points up front. So you can fall asleep the rest of the time if you need to, but at least you have this. So from each of these, God is love, is the first theme. Love came down. That's what we're talking about Christmas, this Advent season, that love came down. And then lastly, that we need to root ourselves in limitless love. So that's where we're heading this morning. Let us pray. Let me ask the Lord's blessing over our time together, and then we'll get into his word. 
Father, I thank you again for your word this morning. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing uh, in us, in the Refuge Church, as we've clearly seen here. God, this is all about you. This is all for you this morning, Lord. We just ask that you open our minds to your word. Remind us of the gospel this morning, Lord. Empty us of anything of the world, no matter what we come in with this morning, Lord. Empty us of that and fill us with you and your goodness and your mercy and your grace this morning, Lord, as we seek your word. God, keep me from error this morning. Anything that is not of you, may it disappear, and everything that is of you, may it stand, Lord. God, may this message this morning encourage and equip the saints to respond in grace. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so starting off in 1 John is where we're going to be at. God is love. So this starts off with what is love? And some of y'all are thinking, I was not allowed to play the song that you all are thinking of when I asked the question, what is love? Does anybody want to sing it for me? The old Night at the Roxbury, or at least do the movement for it? I see some head, some head bombers. Yes, what is love? I will not sing it for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, so what is the definition of love? See, I love my wife. I love my wife. But I also love Costco. <laughs> are those the same thing? Sometimes. No, I'm kidding. No, they are not the same thing. I was thinking of what are some ways that the world, just like we talked about last week with hope, how the world defines hope and how, we, or how the Bible defines hope, how do we define love versus how does the Bible define love? Like I said, there's so many ways we can go. Depending on your translation, the Bible talks about love 400, specifically 400 to 700 times, right? But the whole Bible is about love. So what are some ways that the world sees love? This is such a deep, uh, different meanings, different ways that we can say it. Uh, I've got a couple uh, slogans for you. See if you can guess what this is. We'll start off easy. Uh, I'm loving it. McDonald's, right? Love. It's what makes a blank a blank. Ooh, yes. Someone's from the Pacific Northwest. And me. Yes, love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. What are some other examples of ways that we cheapen love? What are some, what are some things that you would say you love? What are some examples? Coffee. Coffee. Music. Chicken strips. Gas station? Okay, what else? Mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. <laughs> Said in the most mowing the lawn way. That was great. What else? I love my wife, but I also love... Bourbon. <laughs> Can I say that from the pulpit? I guess so, you know. Welcome to Refuge Church. Yeah, so there's lots of things that we say we love, but we need to be rooted in what the Bible says love is, right? These are, these are different ways that we, and we all do it, we all cheapen the word, but today let's root ourselves in what the Bible says love is. And again, there's so many ways, so many places we could go, but let's, this morning let's go to 1 John 4. It says, beloved, beloved means you who are loved. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So let's stop there for a second. God is love. We've heard this before. Who here has heard this from someone other than a Christian? 
We see it everywhere. Well, God is love. So what does that mean? We've seen this twisted, right? So if God is love, that means that by definition, he is love, right? Sounds simple. But what we do is we put our own definition of God is love, but here's my definition of love. So therefore, my definition of love is the same as the definition of God's love, which is false. We hear it all over we hear it all over society. We hear love is love, right? We've heard that? Love is love. If you mean that God is God, then yes, that's true because God is love. But if you mean your definition of love is God's definition of love, you may want to check that, right? God is love. He himself is love. Now, most importantly, this means that because God is love, it means that everything, by definition, everything that God does is loving. Because God is love, everything that he does is loving. We have to, that means the God of the Old Testament, all those things that you see God doing in the Old Testament, is out of perfect love. Everything that we see in the New Testament is from God in perfect love. So we have to reorient ourselves about what is this? If he is the source, if God is the source of love, that has to be how we see everything else. We see that we are the beneficiaries of love, right? That we are the beneficiaries of, you see people loving you, kindness to you, being gentle to you. Those are, those are ways that we see God work, but by his definition, God is himself love so therefore everything we see in scripture is from love another one we hear is just do what you love right we've heard that many times just do what you love that is false what about the murderer who loves murdering 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 (laughs) don't do what you love do what god says Do what God says is love. Go to him. See, we need to reorient ourselves around what does God love and what does God hate. So all that is wrapped into this end of of, uh, verse uh, 7, excuse me, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9 continues, In this love... God was made manifest among us. Underline among us if, you, if you're an underlining person in your Bible. In this love, God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might, have, might live through him. In this love, this is important, underline this, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's a lot there. God was made manifest among us. That is what we celebrate this Christmas, that love came down. Love came down to save us. It was made, he was made manifest among us. And then in verse 10, underline this, not that we have loved, but, uh, loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word, propitiation, means paid the price. 
satisfied the wrath of God in our place, and he pleased the holy God. So again, let's go back to this definition of love, that we cannot know love without knowing God, and we cannot know God without ourselves knowing love because God is love. In verse 10, not that, he, that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. So I think we're, there's two camps. There's, there's, the, there's some of us who don't believe this love, this crazy love. And again, I cannot scratch the surface on what God's love is in a, in a short sermon because it's so big, it's so wide. We're going to read this later. But there's this camp that says, that great love is not for me. And then there's another camp that doesn't know how sinful they actually are, and they don't believe how sinful. There's one that says, I am so sinful, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did this morning. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I'm thinking right now. That, God, that love is not for me. And then there's others who just don't know what God's, how sinful they truly are and how good and how holy God is. And so the answer to both of these is Jesus. Jesus is the only answer to both. And I want to speak specifically to those who come in today who are in this camp of, you don't know, like you don't know how sinful I am. Who, who know, my wife knows me well. She knows briefly how sinful I am. But she doesn't know, I, you know, right? You know exactly how sinful you are. You know how much you've fallen short of the glory of God. I know how sinful I am. And to, to think that God loves me in this, and I need you to hear this clearly this morning. My, my, my students are going to probably roll their eyes because we talk about it so much, but when you are in the midst of your sin, and I'm not talking about just the idea of your sin, when you're in it, when it's just happened, when you've just sinned, God loves you just as much in that as if you hadn't. He does not, he has no part in that sin. He does not, he does not enjoy, he does not uh, love that sin, but he loves you. He sent his son for you. That while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. This is crazy. This, is, this doesn't make sense to us. How do we understand this? But it's true. Again, we have to go by our definition, or excuse me, by, by the Bible's definition of love. So it's because of that love that God knows me. You know you, but God knows you even deeper. A.W. Tozer puts it this way. Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you the most. Let me read that again. Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you the most. Let that sink in. You know everything about you. Jesus knows even more, and yet he still loves you. Think of the worst, the worst thing that you've ever done. Think about the thought this morning. Think about maybe the thought right now that you're like, this cannot be for me, and I'm telling you, this love is for you. Everything that you hate about yourself, every, every sin that's been in the past has, can be and has been nailed to the cross. We cannot cheapen the cross to say it's only that Jesus only died for some things. He died for all of your sins. All of God's wrath was put on that cross. 
See, we'll hear, we'll hear that voice. We'll hear that little voice inside that says, this is not for me. That this is, this, the enemy wants you to believe that lie, and I'm just here to tell you that's not the truth. That is not what we read in Scripture. Not that we have loved God, you love him imperfectly, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And notice how these, both verse 11 and 7, both start with beloved. He is talking to you, you who are loved. So now the question, how, how do I know this love is for me? Glad you asked. John 3.16, so if you can turn there in your Bible, some of you, most of you probably, who here has it memorized? All right, I'm going to start it, and I want you all to say it with me. So, for God so loved the world. Say it louder, Siri, in Spanish. <laughs> Was that the verse at the end, too? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I understood. Be good. Yeah, so we all, we've all heard this, right? We've all, we all should know this. And if this is your first time hearing it, this is awesome. This is, this is a, this is the, there's a reason that everyone has it memorized. There's also a reason why we all say it, like, for God so loved the world, his only son, right? It's because it's become so repetitive. We've, we've heard it so many times. So I want us to look at this just for the next couple minutes with a fresh set of eyes. So again, the question that we ask is, is is this love, how do we know that this love is for me? For God so loved the world, this is verse 16, and we're going to continue through 19, by the way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. You think it's interesting that, that we don't really memorize that next part, right? It's, it's a, tough, a tough pill to swallow. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved what? Darkness rather than light, because their works were what? Going back, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. That is good news. We love the darkness. He is light. We just, uh, we just sang that uh, earlier, that, that he is love. He is light. You bring light to the darkness. Do you remember that verse? For God so what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I, I, as I was prepping this, I cannot fathom this. For God so loved the world. There it is. That is, that is the theme that we, that we are going through this morning, but that is the theme of the whole Bible, that God so loved us that he gave his only son. Gave. This Christmas, if you think of anything, this is the only gift. He gave his son. Willingly. That means it was part of his plan Nothing was shocking to him. God had this plan for his glory, for your good. He gave his son, not to condemn, but to save. And see, that next, the next part of that talks about 
those who are uh, condemned already. It says, but whoever, does not, uh, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is, already, is condemned already. What does that mean? That means we all should have been wiped out. We all should be gone right now. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and he is righteous and just to wipe us out. But we go back, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I hope that we, we see that in a little bit different light this Christmas, that God gave his son and this theme of that we cannot love him, but he loves us through this. I also want to look at Romans 5, 8. You don't need to turn there, but I, I just want to read this to you. I want this to sink in. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 19, we won't go into that today, but we love because he first loved us. I want you to think of someone that has hurt you. Like, actually, practically, think of someone who you, uh, that has hurt you in the past, someone that you strongly dislike, someone that you would call your enemy. Y'all got it? Who, what are you doing for that person for Christmas? What are you buying for them? Think of that in your mind. I see a few people smiling, like, oh, I'm not getting them anything. What do you, what, how much thought did you put into their Christmas gift this year for your enemy? Probably not much, right? If you're getting them anything at all. Some of you are like, I'll give them, I'll give them something, right? But we are, before, before the, the birth of Jesus, the life and the death and burial, we, without Jesus, just that person that you're thinking about, we are that person to God. We don't like to think about it that way, but, but you, are, you were, I am, slash was, that enemy to God before. And yet, what did God do? What gift did he send? He sent his son. He sent everything. I can't imagine just sending a simple gift to some people that, that, I've, that I honestly have had hatred for. And yet the Bible says that not only do I have, if I have hatred in my heart, but I've committed murder, right? That's what Jesus elevated this. Think of what he's done for us. I, I, again, I, I can't fathom this, that he would send his son for us. That is love. What else is there? Turn with me to Ephesians 3, 14. We'll close here, or start to close. The one of many closes today. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with the power of his spirit in your inner being. Underline that if you're an underliner. In your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's some scriptures I read and I just want to, I just want to end it there. Just that last part. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The last question I want to ask as refuge is, do you know how loved you are? Do you actually know how loved you are by Jesus this morning? This is what this, this scripture is pointing us towards. I suspect none of us actually do know. It, it talks about this here. What is Paul saying? Paul is praying. He wants them to know in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? Rooted and grounded in what? Love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now this should bring up a natural question. How do we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Doesn't that, that sounds like it contradicts itself. How do you know, how do you comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? When I ask this question, do we know how loved we are? The answer is always going to be no. We don't know how loved we are. Paul is not, he's, he's praying here, not that God would start loving the Ephesians. And I say this today, my prayer and our prayer is not that God would start loving refuge, is that we would start to comprehend the love of God. We would start to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. You catch that? Being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So today and going forward, this is what our Christian life is. We seek, we, we, we seek to know. We seek to go into Scripture and know the unknowable love of God. See, God's love is already there. Where are my students? God's love is already there. We just have to what? Say it louder, Drew, for the people in the back. Notice. It's already there. He already loves you. He's already sent his son for you. It is paid. It's paid in full. It's already there. Our job is to notice, to seek these things, to seek his goodness, to seek his mercy, because it's already there. We just have to notice. We can't measure this love. I love, uh, I read a commentary that talked about uh, how it's specifically said, the breadth and length and height and depth. You know, normally we talk about three dimensions, and here he mentions four. This is the, the fourth, this is the unknowing, the, the outside of our thinking love of Christ, and that's for you this morning. It reminded me of the opening lyrics of the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. And again, I won't say it, uh, sing it this morning and all God's people said. It says, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, 
as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory. And then the song ends, what should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. So I just want us to end this morning with thinking about, and again, we cannot begin, I cannot begin to scratch the surface of this, but let's together go into God's word, feel his love this morning. You can't work this up, but we can start to use our minds, we can use our, our, our hearts, our souls, earnestly seek him because you cannot exhaust his love for you. It's impossible. It's, the, it's the, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. But the prayer here is that you be filled with the fullness of God. My friends, there is an abundant life to be lived through Jesus this morning. And if this is your first time hearing that, you need to hear this loud and clear that God loves you. It's a simple, simple thing. But you need to hear it this morning. God loves you and then you will not be able to exhaust how much he loves you. He sent his son. This is, this is insane. It's absolutely insane that, that he would send his son, the God that is holy and righteous to wipe us out, sent his son out of love for us. Praise God. So it's not exactly a Christmas sermon per se. But with God's love, this is, this is what Christmas is about. We always hear the keep Christ in Christmas, but there's no other way. It's, it's all about him. It's all about his love. So I just want us to refocus on that this morning. If this is your, if this is your first time hearing this, praise God. We'll go back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Believe in him. Today, we look back and we remember that, that first advent. We see God's promise of redemption that came through his son, and then a new era of God's restoration was coming. You're just a few minutes too late. <laughs> Please tell me that was Eric. <laughs> You know what's funny is we'll probably walk away. That's what you'll walk away with today, right? <laughs> My last sermon, uh, the, the biggest takeaway, uh, or actually I guess it was a couple sermons ago, the biggest takeaway was um, I still get pictures from uh, Red Koi Sushi because <laughs> I was talking about how, how we love, I love a good, anyway, all right, I'm getting off topic here. Who's going, we're all going after this? Yeah. All right, let me close with this. Uh, So we're called to seek God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And I want us to hear the words of Jesus. He said in, in Matthew, uh, when, they, when his critics tried to test him, they asked him, what, uh, what is the greatest commandment? He said, this is the greatest and first commandment. Or excuse me. Uh, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is, we have to be rooted in this love this morning. Rooted first, believe it yourself. And all other love that flows out of you must be rooted in this crazy love for you this morning. The last, last scripture that I'll go through. And just, if you could close your eyes and just let me read this over you. And then we'll end this morning. 
please hear this. It is, it's true. This is straight from Scripture. This is speaking directly to you. Whether you've known Him, when you've known God for a long time, or this is your first time hearing this, let these words sink in. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Let's pray.